3: Hello, Pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the audio adventure where two films with something in common go head to head to figure out which one did that thing better. And on this week's Fantastical Double, Tim Curry brings the heat as the Lord of Darkness in 1985's Legend, and he's going hoof to toe with Warwick's Wand in 1988's Willow. Something really special that I've been
2: promising to show you.
3: Always go now because I'll be here for a short while.
2: Don't you trust me? I trust you, Lily.
3: Nothing is more magical. As long as they rule the earth, evil can never harm the pure of heart. <laughs> My children found this baby alone by the river. Hall. This child is this baby will not destroy me
2: Find the child! Time is running out Elora Denon has chosen you to be our guardian Me?
3: You need a warrior for a job like this I'm a nobody But which one wins? You're about to find out In Clash of the Titles Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly.
1: I'm Vicky Crumpton.
3: And Alex is absent again, even though he nearly wasn't. But thanks to work issues and scheduling issues and studio issues and Easter issues, he's away <laughs> on a week. Where the movie hell thing would actually work again. (laughs) Are we disappointed for him, Vicky?
1: He could have done hell and it would have made sense. I think it's best just to quietly forget about it.
3: Okay, you know he's not going to. (laughs) Uh, All right, on with the show. So the clue I gave last week involved Bartying like it's the late 1980s (laughs) because screen legend Billy Barty is in both films. Uh, then you followed it up with...
1: It's the obligatory, T-R-E-E, Tim Curry reference or mention or something. I can't remember how we phrase it usually.
3: It's fine. That wasn't the point. It's no. The, it's the curry <laughs> the, and tree. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> And the correct
3: guesses came cascading in uh, with Leanne Cartwright being quickest on the draw. Nice. She got it based solely on your clue.
1: Oh, brilliant.
3: <laughs> good work, Leanne. <laughs> good work, me. Uh, yeah. Good work, Leanne. Your prize <laughs> is a copy of Jerry Goldsmith's legend score, which will immediately <laughs> replace with the score by Tangerine Dream. <laughs> uh, so why this pair? I hear you all screaming. Yeah. Well, lots of people have asked for Willow Mm. uh, versus a variety of fantasy flicks over the years. Okay. Uh, But in November 2020, uh, Billy Fletcher wrote in and said, Hi, guys, absolutely love the show. These films mean so much to me as they were both childhood favourites Legend, Tim Curry's The Lord of Darkness, yes, please. Willow because Warwick Davis. Yeah. So there's that. Someone suggested it and we. I didn't forget that one for no, you once. No, sat
1: on it for two years.
3: Um, but why this week I hear you all screaming? I
1: can't remember.
3: Because Willow is returning this year in TV series form, so it's good to get that homework done early. Sure. But the real reason, the big reason, the ultimate reason... Yeah. Is that it's Tim Curry's birthday? Oh
1: yeah, God, I forgot. And I'm in the Google Doc where you tell me that.
3: Vicky, I forgot. the patron saint of our podcast was born on April 19th.
1: Happy birthday, what you will, legend. What
3: will you be doing to celebrate?
1: I'll be watching Legend. I'll be eating a curry. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: so we started a new tradition that every year on the week of Tim's birth, we clash one of his films. <laughs> Lovely. Trouble is, we've already done a few. We've done Clue, yep. Congo, yep. Three Musketeers. Yeah. Home Alone 2.
1: Yeah. It. We're doing
3: Legend today. <laughs> yeah. But there are some Belters left.
1: Rocky Harpitch Show. Yes. What else? The Shadow. Oh, yeah.
3: Charlie's Angels. Is he in that? hmm Oh, I did. I forgot that. I'm sure, there's a scene where he's dressed as a Girl Scout cookie.
1: Right. Okay. I don't know.
3: Uh, oh, that could be a, from a spoof that I've got confused.
1: Uh Hunt for Red October. Oh, of course. Oh, my God, of course. Annie. Do you think we'd ever do Annie? I love Annie. <laughs> I
3: mean, that's probably a few years down the line, but
1: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, God, me too. And I don't, as I've said many times, don't like a musical, but I do love that one. Mm. I love it.
3: And there is a TV movie that he's in, and I know we don't do TV movies, but we did do one last week. We can. And we did do one right at the start, starring Mr T. We did, yeah. And I don't know if you've seen it, but The Worst Witch.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's quite good.
3: And Harry Potter is a ripoff of The Worst Witch. Sure. I mean, they are are quite similar. Okay. So, yes, uh, that could be down the line. So, yeah, new tradition, um, Tim Curry's birthday. Maybe tweet us to say how you'll be celebrating Lord Curry's birthday on April 19th. Okay, enough of that. On with the show. Connection section, Vicky.
1: Uh, Lost in the Woods, shiny fairies made of light. My Mm. my big one is unnecessarily delaying killing the thing you need to kill in order to rule the universe or Mm. something. Mm. I've got a unicorn. I shall wait until dawn. Why wait? Kill it. (laughs) I've got this baby. I'll do the ritual. Why wait? Just kill it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: Snow appearing from nowhere, I've got. um, Princesses. Yes. But only in the UK version of Legend. Um, (laughs) Studio fires. Uh, but oh. one was one was much worse than the other right okay American Cuts that are much more violent than the UK versions I've got some good stuff on that yep. Lord of the Rings yes. <laughs> and it's all over both these films yeah um, and yeah you said fairy I'm going to say big magical fairy yeah because they get big don't they these fairies
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> that's it let's get on with it great Um. so legend yeah it's yours Ricky. you're ready take us on that journey
1: okay <laughs> Before body glitter was widely available on the high street and unicorns were universally adored by every female child ever, there was legend, which introduced the world to body glitter and unicorns and baby Tom Cruise with his British teeth and huge knees. Tim Curry wants to snuff out the light and so quite clearly tells some goblins to kill the last of the unicorns, but they ignore him and kill just one. So when he gets his hands on the other one, he waits for ages before trying to kill it while Jack teams up with some very intense fairies, one who's got clear boundary issues and does not understand that no means no. And Princess Lily gets a fantastic makeover and is invited to sit down or stand up with darkness. It's very tense. You need to see it. Then darkness is dispatched and you actually feel a bit sorry for him. And then was it all a dream? Who knows? I've never seen this film. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I recognise Tim Curry as darkness. Mm. i didn't know tom cruise was in it i Ah. and i kind of recognize una a bit but the fairy Mm. um but maybe that's just because it's very reminiscent of all the other things i've seen in this space Mm. such as never ending story and princess bride and things like that but yeah it was uh, (laughs) it's been a an experience for me this week watching watching legend as a grown-up is that a good idea don't know
3: yeah it's not I didn't find it a great idea watching it as a kid.
0: Yeah, right. uh, it, you know,
3: this is one that was Christmas viewing.
0: Okay. Uh,
3: I saw it. It was on TV one Christmas and I videoed it. Yeah. I've seen, I've, I struggled with it. I just remember Frolicking and Slow Motion Unicorns mm. and Scary Devil. Didn't know who was playing him at the time. No. um, Not much else. Seen bits of it since when it's on the telly and think, mm, no, not into no. this. <laughs> and I have seen um, the director's cut. Oh, so have you? So I know... I can talk about that a bit at the end.
1: I'll be, I'll be interested to know what the differences are.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an important thing with this film. Um, and I've, I, I've got some, when we go through the film, I've got some stuff that's in the US that's not in the UK because we're going to be talking about the UK, the European version today. Yes, we are. Mm.
1: All right, then. well, let's, let me tell you a little bit about mm. this film. So I must thank uh, a writer called Alan Jones, writing in Cinefantastique in 1986. And someone has scanned that and put it on the internet. Oh, it's my mate, Alan Jones. It's not. Yeah, he runs Fright Fest. Does he? Yeah. I'm a bit starstruck. <laughs> he's the best. Well, he's really helped. Me. When I say help me out, mm. quote marks, this is more or less word for word.
3: <laughs> I have an Alan Jones t-shirt right. that, uh, uh, that I wear every Fright Fest that Andy Nyman had made, one of a
1: kind. Really? Yes. Lovely. <laughs> so, uh, well, next time you see him, tell him I said thanks. I will. So, here we go. Mm. While making The Jewelist, Ridley Scott is tinkering with this idea of making Tristan and Isolde. sold. Now, Tristan and isolde sold, I don't know the 12th century chivalric romance, but I know there was a film made of Tristan and Isolde sold a few years ago. Yeah. I didn't see it, but I've heard it's not he, fantastic. He produced it. Oh, did he? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So that's a chivalric romance. Mm. Um, you know, forbidden Love and all the rest of it. Anyway, if that falls through. Ridley Scott goes for Alien instead. That's a good idea. Um... I don't know if you've seen that's quite a good film Mm. but he's still emotionally attached to this idea of a fairy tale and a mythological tale and it's something that he wants to come back to so just before he starts on Blade Runner he hooks up with author William Hortzberg and they work on a storyline for this film which was at that point called Legend of Darkness Mm. now
3: William Hortzberg wrote Fallen Angel, which was turned into the film Angel Heart, which I really want to do on this podcast.
1: Oh, I've seen that. But whatever
3: we pair it with, it's just too spoilery to pair it with anything. Yes. But it's bloody good. So if we think of a clever thing to put it with. okay. Um, Can I just say as well, Ridley Scott, um, he, he pitched the studio two projects. It was this and I heard him say what the other project was. Right. All he said about it was, I pitched a musical about a spaceship landing in Jerusalem. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't expecting you to see So it was
3: that or Legend. It should have gone with that. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah, that's got legs, doesn't it? Sorry. There's something there. So, so anyway, they've got this storyline, Legend of Darkness, and they tried to sell it to Disney. Um, and Disney are like, you want to be taking that dark stuff right out of there because it's pretty dark. And it's called... Legend of Darkness. So anyway, he said he would and he said he, you know, I've, in your mate Alan Jones's article, read this Scott is giving it all this about I always wanted my children to be able to watch this film. However, when you go through Wikipedia, there's a blog post by a writer called Michael Dare talking about when he ran into William Hortzberg and was talking about the script as was before mm. they tried to refashion it to be much more suitable for kids. So the heroine, who I'm going to assume was Princess Lily in this incarnation, but maybe not, but the heroine anyway, I'll uh, just a, a literal verbatim quote. And the heroine gets changed into a dog and is fucking the demon when the hero finds her. William Hortsbury says, Not exactly. And then Michael Dare says, Hollywood rears its ugly head. He didn't have to tell me. They were going to make his screenplay while leaving out the point point. the whole Orpheus thing of saving someone from hell, only to find out they've totally lost the innocence that attracted you to them in the first place by being turned into a dog and having sex with the Lord of Darkness.
3: Well, the stuff I've read, she becomes, she turns into a cat.
1: Oh well, that's so different. And he's more, he's more
3: dog-like. Uh, she's a cat, and okay. he, yeah, he has sex with her.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was
3: very pervy and very R-rated. That, yeah. That original script. They were making a horror fantasy.
1: Yes. I mean, so there we go. So the, you know, the sadness over this script that never was because it ended up at Twentieth Century Fox. They weren't huge on bestiality. No. Um. So in William Hortzberg's words, thus began four years of rewrites and about fifteen drafts. Uh, Jack goes from being this is a quote from William Hortisberg which I appreciate Jack goes from being a son to a green man a hermit who so many British pubs are named after I was like oh yeah that's true mm-hmm. thanks Bill correct <laughs> um, so then we've got casting um, so you need two actors who personify innocence uh, Mia Sarah very young at that point 16 and baby Tom Cruise who was known then from Risky Business and All the Right Moves I've never seen All the Right Moves um, is it good? All right? Yeah. I don't think it's your thing. Is it not? What's it about? It's an American football movie. Then no, it's not. No. Correct. That's why, that's why I said that. I wasn't being disrespectful. <laughs> no, you would. I just <laughs> never know. So, but this time it was factually correct and, and and polite. Um, so Tim Curry. Now we talked about Tim Curry's fear of makeup. When did we talk about it? Because it comes from this, because he's obviously lost under the prosthetics a little bit <laughs> because he's covered in makeup. When were we talking Hold about?
3: Hold on, I'm looking at the films. I said that we've done starring him. What um, did we do? Clue Congo, Three Musketeers, Home Alone Two. It. It must have been. It,
1: it was. It must have been. Yeah. Yes. It
3: was. Because that's the only one he's wearing. That's the makeup for. The old, Well, I mean,
1: he's probably got a little bit of foundation and maybe some powder in the other ones, but mm. not to the same extent that he's got here. Um, so the makeup is by Rob Bertine, who we've talked about quite a lot. Genius. When, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Un- I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar, so fair enough. But the of the thing, yeah, the thing and the howling. Um, you, you know, I don't know how interesting it is for you for you to know how long people are in makeup for. So I'll just say Tim Curry was in makeup for eight hours. The big story there is that once he got a little bit impatient, trying to melt it off, and tore it off, and tore his skin, which is gross. Um, but there you go.
3: There's a good behind the see- scene picture of him. He would sometimes get bored in makeup, and A View to a Kill was um. Shooting on the same lot, and there's a great photo of him with Grace Jones, who would hang out with him while he's having his
1: <laughs> makeup put on. With. There are worse ways, I suppose, to pass the time. <laughs> I'll post that on Twitter. <laughs> so, oh yeah, and like you said, the set burned down. So they were shot mm. it at Pinewood, and there's ten days left, and the whole thing just burns down, which is horrendous.
3: Yeah, June the twenty seventh, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, um, I, I got some stuff about that from Vic Armstrong's autobiography, which is so useful because he was on every film. Yes. the Stuntman. man, and he was doubling for Harrison Ford on Blade Runner, and. He was shooting stuff and one day he was seeing shots of a unicorn and they were tests for this. Right. And that unicorn stuff ended up getting used in the Incredible. Blade Runner. Incredible. But, but yeah, he said that they went for lunch and then suddenly they heard that this fire was happening mm. and they just, the stuntmen all legged it because all their horses were on the set and they were worried they were going to die. Oh, no. But someone had got the horses out, but all the stuntmen then um, rushed to feed, that they, because they're free, they had foxes, eagles, pigeons... All kinds of animals that they put on this set—it was a crazy thing to do, really. Yeah, to, to, to construct this huge forest and then put real animals in it. Yeah, it caused a problem for the shoot. But um, yeah, it was no one died, and it's a it's amazing they didn't because um it, they were saying if the electricians had been up in the gantry, they would have been gone. It it went up Ooh, so quickly. That's horrible. Um, and when he found out about it, Ridley Scott went and played tennis. Okay. Apparently, because that's how he deals with stress, problems and stress. He's or quite...
1: he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> He's quite <laughs> well,
3: apparently, uh, Ridley didn't mind. Um, I think it was Vic. Vic maybe said this. Or I'm not sure about who I got this quite a bit. he'd shot every inch of the stage and was sick of it. So he liked building a new set with the insurance money.
1: Now, this is starting to sound a little bit <laughs> like the basis for a criminal investigation. I didn't say that. No, no one said that.
3: The words of, <laughs>
1: the words of Victoria and Crompton. Um So, as you mentioned, there are several versions of this film. Mm. Um, So, like Ridley Scott is, uh, you know, he's well known for being and has always been. Quite a grumpy old man, no matter his oh, age. He's brilliant. Yeah, he is brilliant. I
3: love talking to him because he will just be an arsehole, uh, but a funny one and an honest one.
1: My favourite recent quote of is when he was talking about superheroes, and he's like, "Let me, let me get near one. I'd fucking crush it. They're fucking boring <laughs> as shit." Which is, it's just. I mean, he's from book. the man who made Legend. Interesting. Yeah, his liberal use of swearing, obviously, was great. Yes. He finds it a good home with me. But anyway, it's what he's, You know, you've got this interview with um, Alan Jones, your mate, saying, you know, in the US. This Barry Manilow is from like 1985. This interview, 1986. He's like, "Oh, the MTV generation. Yeah, they've missed the educational process that makes them aware of classical references." Mm. <laughs> And it's like it just doesn't, you know, you're just banging that drum since the dawn of time, which if it was now it would be TikTok has ruined everything and then yeah. it was like has ruined everything.
3: You 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 also had the 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 boss of the studio Sid Sheinberg, though, who's who's a bit of a legend in Hollywood. Um he he's also felt that the European version was would be unappealing to Americans. Right. As an American he said we need more action and we need less sort of talking. <laughs> but but um a lot of this went wrong because of a couple of potheads. Right. So the, the, first, the first preview, I think it was 150 minutes long mm-hmm. and it didn't go well. And Ridley Scott said there were a couple of sniggerers in there. I could smell pot. Um, if that happened now, I would kick them out. But because they were laughing, other people started laughing. He said, I then became paranoid. I don't think because of the pot, because of the laughter. And he said, I got cold feet. And so that's why he ends up chopping and changing. It. He said, I just had a lack of confidence because of the laughter in that one screening and because of Blade Runner. Okay. being a flop and, and not getting to do his version and changing versions. Yes. And so he said, I cut the movie and I completely compromised my vision. Mm. And so that's why we end up with these two different versions of it, these two different soundtracks. I mean, he was involved with both of them. Yeah. He just seemed to lose his way completely. I mean, it is
1: quite shocking to think of the, you know, the absolute legend, Jerry Goldsmith. And I, mm. the version I watched, it's scored by Jerry Goldsmith. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that score.
3: So we got, so, so we got the, the Jerry Goldsmith version was released in Europe and then a few weeks before it was released in America... Uh, Ridley Scott went to Berlin, recorded with Tangerine Dream, who were a big sort of prog rock um, band at the time. They'd done Risky Business with mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, they added a Brian Ferry pop song. It was all about marketing yeah. and selling this soundtrack. And so uh, that's why Americans know a completely different version of the film. Yeah. But you saw the Jerry Goldsmith one. I
1: saw the Jerry Goldsmith one. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me that it would be that sort of more sweeping, orchestral stuff, given that it's a fairy tale. I would be interested to see that what it's like, what it feels like with an electronic score but well,
3: it's it's a more dreamlike score for a, a, a what is quite a dreamlike film yeah so they've both I think they both work in all honesty but I agree with Scott who's now believes he did the wrong thing and yeah. the Jerry Goldsmith score should have stood yeah um Jerry Goldsmith up to 17, 17 clashes. 17
1: mentions, man. That's that's a lot.
3: Let's do it very quickly. Planet of the Apes, Chinatown, Omen, Alien, Outland, Gremlins, Inner Space, The Burbs, Total Recall, Gremlins 2, Sleeping With the Enemy, Basic Instinct, Congo, Executive Decision, LA Confidential, Air Force One and now Legend.
1: How are you ordering those? Because they're not alphabetical, are they? Or they're not by date ordering. They are,
3: are they? chronological. Are they? They're chronological apart I... from Legend, which I say to the end because it's, <laughs> new, it's new to the list.
1: <laughs> I take it back. So then, there we go. Uh, the film, it tanked. It made less than it cost. That equals a fail. Fail. Um, I, you know, over the years, I've heard I've heard mention of it. I've heard people talk about it. I'd never taken the time to sit down and see it. If I'm going to be completely honest, if I was going to watch one thing like that when I was a student, when I was smoking weed, actually, Ridley Scott. So, like, yeah. you no know, shame there. It would have been Willow. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um,
3: and, and there's not much doubt that the director's cut is probably the best version that came out about 20 years ago. Right. Uh, and we'll talk about the differences there at the end. But, I mean, it is spending more time with characters who aren't that... In- likeable or interesting. So maybe you're better to get out in 90 minutes rather than two hours. So that's
1: the other thing because Willow is so long and it's like this, you're in and out and you 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 get that sort of, you know, a fun cinematic experience All the rest of it. It shouldn't, yeah. These things should not be... Also, you know, I found Lord of the Rings. So obviously it's completely immersive and all the rest of it, but my God, that requires a lot of commitment.
3: Yeah, but, you know, that's what I'm saying. I like spending time with... You like spending time with The Hobbits. Yes. Whereas here, I'm not sure, you know... What, would I want to hang out? Would I want to have a beer in a green man pub yeah. with Jack?
1: I think it depends if he's cuddling a fox, because that is vile. Like, when he's cuddling that fox, he's like, look at my the personification of innocence. Put that dirty fox down. It's it's just because of where I live in London. Foxes are not, to me, bucolic, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed uh, kind creatures.
3: They're more bubonic.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're dirty foxes. And they will steal your shit. <laughs> Literally. Yes, literally. <laughs> and they will scatter your shit all over the front street and then the council aren't gonna pick that up because fuck you, yeah. And oh. they'll
3: they'll eat your new rabbits.
1: Will eat my rabbits
3: Vicky's got three got
1: three rabbits since the last record. Shout out to Snowdrop Peanut and um Ted. <laughs> Mummy's just doing a podcast at the moment, but i will be home soon. I'm in real trouble. Though, so we'll talk about the rabbits a bit more later because of Willow. Because of the fuck, the baby in Willow. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> like, what's going on? I love that baby. It's those a, two babies. It's a great baby. Yeah, yeah. God, they're good babies. Good actors. Brilliant. Some of the best actors in Willow. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, why am I liking these babies? Why have I got three rabbits? <laughs> anyway. We
3: need a picture of the rabbits to put on the Twitter because okay. Simon gets... So much attention. Undue.
1: <laughs> let's, let's, let's give your, your new babies a, a light. Oh, thank you, Chris. All right, should we talk about the film? Yeah. All right, here we go. So I'm the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> I require the solace of the shadows and the dark of the night and sunshine is my destroyer and all this I, I get it. Sunshine
3: is your destroyer. I get it. You only need to tell me that once. (laughs) I feel like we're going to come back to that.
1: But Tim Curry, I mean, you glorious, glorious man. And you know me, voiceover. I'm pretty hard on voiceovers. This is a firm, big yes. Yeah, but it's
3: not voiceover,
1: is it? No, he's talking to a goblin. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, and and in the um, American version, and I will do this because we've got a lot of American listeners. In the American version, you see darkness here, yes. But he's black, yeah, and he's got these luminous green fingernails, cool. That are sort of it look. I don't know. It looks a bit naff. It looks quite dated in a way that his makeup later in the film doesn't look dated. Okay, and and I think that that's the wrong decision here. I think that the European version is right is to save the reveal for him stepping through the mirror.
1: Yeah, they do. They hold back on that, don't they? Mm. So. Here we are. The Lord of Lord of Darkness or just Darkness. I'll just call him Darkness. You can call him either. I think. I don't think. I don't think he would mind. I think he would enjoy uh, my verve. If I call call <laughs> him
3: Darkness. <laughs> uh,
1: so anyway, Darkness says to Blix the Goblin, mm. which looks this Goblin looks fantastic, mm,
3: which genuinely was a model on Keith Richards. No. Yes. Are you yeah. lying? Yeah, Alice Playton, uh, who played Blix, she said, um, she said the character reminded her of Keith Richards. Sure. Uh, Ridley Scott told Bob, uh, Rob Botine that and so he modelled the character on Keith Richards and it does look a bit like Keith Richards
1: I need to go back and look at yeah. it again that's incredible yeah. brilliant so
3: not only has he created Jack Sparrow he's also influenced Blix
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Darkness asked Blix to destroy the last of the unicorns, mm. plural. So, but Blix does not get that message, which we'll come back to. But maybe it's not Blix's fault because Darkness is quite coy when describing the mission. Here we bit go, vague. bit vague. Looking upon these frail creatures, one would not think that they could contain such power. One could rule the universe with it. You must find them and destroy them. What do they look like, fool? Let this serve to... Say unicorn. They look like a unicorn. (laughs) Go and get the unicorns because everybody else knows what they are. Mm. Just say unicorn. Mm. So I don't blame Blix for fucking up the mission because it's vague. So anyway, you've got to use innocence to lure these unicorns. Mm. And innocence is Princess Lily, who's... Or uh, Lady
3: Lily in the American version. Or Lady Lily.
1: Why why is that?
3: I do not know. Because
1: they don't have royalty. Oh, that's a good
3: point. But, but nevertheless, they would know what a princess is.
1: They would be aware our, of Our
3: American cousins. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's one of these weird things that I think is a change for, for no real reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it brings her down a slight level. But what does that matter? She's still above Jack's, you know, in the hierarchy of this sure, world. Whatever. Whatever. Doesn't matter.
1: So she's bothering some people that she says are poor, but she's helping herself to their food.
3: She cannot get enough of their grub. <laughs> <laughs> she is, and I guess, and this is played up more in the American version, is is she's spoiled. She's a bit of a spoiled brat, this okay. character. Right. But then that kind of contradicts this pure innocence that we're supposed to believe in her.
1: Yes, I would, yeah, I will agree with that. Um, Jack, as I've mentioned, he's a green man of the woods. He's got mm. giant kneecaps and he's cuddling a fox, which is gross. Obviously, watching it now as a forty-year-old person, you're like, "Wow, look at Tom Cruise!" Mm. And you just can't get past that. But I've, you know, when you watch this when you were a child, he he was on his way up, and it would have been a much more wholesome sort of pure experience. But right now, just like that, that he blows your mind. He he squats
3: for most of this film. Does, that's
1: the kneecaps, That's why I could not stop looking at
3: Powerful them. Powerful leg muscles, though, to do that much <laughs> squatting. Uh, very yeah. impressed. But yeah. he's a bit, he's a bit Peter Pan, isn't he? The he character. Is. Yeah. The
1: outfit is a bit the yeah the sort of impish hopping. Yeah. Um, the, yeah.
3: the, the, the screenwriter was saying that Scott is so much fun to work with that he'll go with any idea. Like, he showed up to him one day and said, I wanted to have green skin. Yeah. He's a chameleon, he's a lizard boy. And I said to him, the screenwriter said, That's not going to look good. On, on our hero and yeah. He alright fine on to the next one then which I Bang. do think
1: is brilliant yeah. but also that's no William, idea is
3: a bad idea that, with Ridley Scott yeah
1: that's important. But saying why would a princess fall in love with a lizard and it's like well 10 minutes ago Bill she was a cat fucking a dog so you make it work <laughs> I just think it's a bit rich to so not take that note uh, so they do attract a unicorn, and it sounds like a whale. I thought. Uh, yeah, it,
3: it's yeah. Those are whale noises. I okay, believe. confusing. Yeah.
1: Um. And the unicorns rule the earth, which to me seems beyond their gift as mere <laughs> fancy horses. But I'll take uh, their word for it.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, my allergies were playing up watching this.
1: You're allergic to all animals, isn't it? No, that there's,
3: there, but there's not just animal hair in that atmosphere. There's what is going on? There's stuff floating everywhere. Oh, through it's this meant film. to be
1: dandelion scenes, but it's feathers. Oh,
3: I, I could feel my nose going just watching it. Are you
1: allergic to feathers?
3: Everything yeah. flowers, feathers, <laughs> animals. Joy. This place. Joy. <laughs> happiness.
1: <laughs> Luxury. Anything. Nice. Mm. No, that's fair enough. I am yeah, I think I'm a bit weirdly allergic to feathers, but not very often. Just if it's a very special pillow in a fancy hotel. Yes, I often. have to have
3: a special pillow. <laughs> um. Yeah, she's told not to touch the sacred animals and don't touch the horn. Yeah. Uh, she, In the American version, she's actually warned about this by Jack and she carries on and does it anyway. Yeah. Which changes her character quite a lot, I think. Um, I they think all... that
1: works better because you know, with any world that isn't real... Mm. And this, I mean, also, I do think it's been my blind spot a bit. I'm much more forgiving of it in sci fi. In a lot of sci fi, you get that chalkboard moment that you always talk about. Where it's like, these mm. are the rules, don't touch the unicorn mm. equivalent. This, it's very much implied that she mustn't touch the unicorn by Jack's reaction. Mm. But I was just like, why? Yeah. You know, I don't know why. Is it a loss of innocence? Is it hubris? Is it she's spoiled? It's mm. all in the mix there. But I could have done with the maybe the American version where it's like, this is bad. And in the
3: director's cut, we get much more of this paradise lost of the the weakness of man causing this this downfall. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that at the end. But they also kiss um here. OK. Which they don't in the American version because I think Sheinberg and for this so-called American audience, they wanted a bit more sex. And so that what they did, they just had the kiss of them at the end, the sort mm. of kiss of kiss of love or whatever it is to wake her up. They just played it backwards. Great. That'll do. There you go. Jump done. No one's going to notice. And I don't think anyone
1: did. So it's time to um, for Lily to tease Jack a little bit. Mm. I'll marry whoever finds this ring. The trouble is, he's the only human man around that I've spotted. Yes. Yes. So I don't know who else she's got in mind. I could do with a bit of context.
3: Agreed. We, You know, I think you do need to maybe see her in the palace and see where she lives and where she comes from. Yeah.
1: And what other men might even be in the running for this sort of thing. Mm. So then she throws the ring and it goes in the lake and then he's trapped under the lake and she's going ape shit. And then it gets super, super trippy. And I'd been mm. resistant, to, if I'm being honest, I'd been a bit resistant to this film up till this point because I, I found it a bit stilted. And I think it's clear that you're... You know, when something can be chopped and changed four times, it does feel a bit sullied. The product you've got, you're like, Mm. what am I missing? But also, why was it so easy? Not easy, but you know, and why is that even possible? Like, if the story is super tight, maybe that shouldn't be possible. But as I'm not an editor, I don't know. But then, once this trippy section started, I was in because it's Mm. so weird and and dreamlike, and there's those petals flying everywhere, Mm. making you sneeze, presumably. Yeah, it didn't make a, a bit of sense. But it looks lush. I was into it. Do you think you
3: needed to see the goblin uh chop the horn off? Because you don't. It's a cutaway here in the American version, you actually see it get chopped lopped off.
1: I mean, I th- I thought I saw it, to be honest. So I didn't see it, obviously. But You
3: did not. I I That's thought I quite did. Quite strange. It's
1: In my notes. I the, my not say a goblin cuts the horn off. A well it does
3: you see you see him about to chop it off. So you you know it's happened, but you just don't see it. Fine. It obviously didn't affect you, and maybe it worked. Yeah, um, but it's winter now. Does a baby freeze to death? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty messed up. It
1: is pretty messed up, and it's pretty good because all well. So we we spoke about the book, uh, the Uses of Enchantment, when we talked about the Shining, and mm. what's that other film called, Doctor Sleep? Mm. So a uh, Bruno, the book by Bruno Bettelheim, and it was a source of uh, reference and inspiration for Stanley Kubrick when he's making the Shining. And apparently, Tom Cruise was aware of this book when he took this role. And so, the darkness that's in fairy tales is obvious. Well, this is what Bruno Bettelheim thinks, and I think this chimes with a lot of people. Is, is what draws kids in because there's always sure. a happy ending. But they so they like to push the boundaries. They like to feel you know unsafe. If you can make them feel safe pretty swiftly mm. or routinely or with rules. So the darkness of the baby freezing. I'm I'm into that. I get that. It's cool. it's got a place. It just didn't make sense to me why. Jack and Lily weren't frozen because that baby was a human baby and maybe Lily would get away with being unfrozen or maybe is it because Jack was under the lake? Who knows?
3: These are excellent questions.
1: Thanks. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, that's a flaw.
1: Yeah. Um, so we will come back to this magical forest after a short break.
0: Ready to pop the question?
2: and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has
0: donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
1: Like you say, world is frozen, but mm. not Jack or Lily. No, nope. or the fairies. So I, the fairies get a pass because they're fairies. So I was like, oh, the, the frozen shit doesn't work on fairies. Yeah. Fine, and we meet Gump. Yeah, he lives in the woods. So is he Forest Gump? <laughs> That's nice. I can't believe I didn't see that. <laughs> I really like Gump. I've got a lot of time. Like mm. it's an intense performance by David Bennon. It like it's just intense. It's just. Fully in it, kind of and thing. it's not his
3: voice, no, it's, th- it's the actress who plays Blix uh, doing his voice. Why so did it's, they do his it's, voice? it's a woman, I mean, he's got a very strong German accent. Mm. Um, and I think one of the quotes was they didn't want him sounding like a Nazi, which is not a Whoa. very PC thing to say, but wow. Um, you get that a lot on somebody's behind the scenes. Thanks, the 80s. Things.
1: Wow, that's mad. Um,
3: but also, Mia Sara said um, that because the forest set was filled with animals, the animals never shut up and they had machines blowing feathers and petals at them all the time. And so the noise was so bad, they had to ADR every line in post-production. They had to do the lines again, um, which I do think kind of adds to the otherworldliness yeah. of the film. You feel underwater with it. Something's so something's
1: trippy. Something's
3: off, Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I thought Gump was an annoying little shit, but
1: initially because it's a perfor- it's an out of, it's a different level of performance. There's nothing wrong with Tom Cruise's performance, but they're they're sort mm. of running in parallel. They they're, they're different. Yes, they're not in the same film.
3: Yeah. In this scene, I wrote down: Is the design of this movie good, or is it like the BBC box of delights and *Line the Witch in the Wardrobe*?
1: It's like that for the first bit, and then when yeah. we get to the castle, it's fucking incredible. Yes, that's okay. the
3: answer. Fair enough. That's so, why I probably put it here.
1: <laughs> so, so we're half an hour in. We've got our quest, which is find the unicorn, find out what's going on or something. Get tooled up yep. with weapons. Mm-hmm. Could have had time for a training montage, didn't get a training montage. That's a shame.
3: 100% agree. He's got he's got weapons. He's got armour. Let's yep. see him Let's doing see him stuff. Let's see him try and
1: fail to use this stuff. Yep. Um and the goblins they take lily and the last unicorn lily was getting on my nerves obviously cuz she's useless which yep. i know fits with the trope of um a helpless princess yeah
3: but it's a problem for the film
1: yeah she's got more moments coming up but at this point you're just like oh god like you're useless yeah and then out of nowhere i was like oh, what are we what's going on what what is this film and then meg mucklebones mm. in the whatever lake that is and it's just incredible. It's incredible.
3: Yeah, uh, more incredible in our version and the US version. Really? Yeah, there's hardly anything here. Why? He just he just kills her straight away, whereas we get a bit of a fun back and forth. And well, that
1: must be gutting if you're Rob Bertie and you're like, this is taking me three months and then read this guy's like, yeah, just kill it.
3: <laughs> well, what blew my mind is is I was reading about a certain actor being in it and I watched the film and couldn't figure out where he was, and then it turned out he was here. Yeah. So this is Robert Picardo who we talked about a lot on the inner space episode. He yes. might have been an MVW for for Alex maybe. Yeah. Um I just had no idea it wasn't a woman. No. Let alone Picardo is you know a bit of a Star Trek legend as well, but what is just a brilliant performance. It is absolutely brilliant. And and, and amazing makeup. But, yeah, um,
1: it's, un, it's unreal good how good the makeup is. And some of the lines as well, like to, well, this creature from the lake to jump up. And again, because I'm watching it older, to call Tom Cruise a juicy boy. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> I Naughty, re- mate. I really like it. Um, so then our gang, they're right. Our, fe-
3: our fellowship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our fellowship.
3: It's the fellowship of the horn.
1: Yeah. So are they in dungeons or are they in a kitchen or they're behind bars? I've
3: written down prison. I mean, I don't know.
1: Because then they do make reference to going to a dungeon. Anyway, they send this sprite, Una, out to get the key. She go. She won't go and do it unless Jack kisses her. So classic, mm. a classic not now love moment because they're yep. about to get eaten.
3: Yeah, she's very. This is very um, Tinkerbell. Yeah, isn't it? The, especially the version of it in Hook, where she um she gets she can get big and small and again yeah. she you know she wants to she's in love with with Peter, but um yeah. obviously that's a much older story, but um. Yeah, it just feels like a bit of a cliche here, doesn't it? It's, and,
1: it's just to be uncomfortable. Again, I'm all, for, you know, you know me, I'm all about equality, and mm. you, you flip it around, and I wouldn't be having that, would I? Like, that's sexual harassment. Like, I'll do this for you, but only if you yeah, do this for me. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it, no.
3: yeah. He doesn't do a lot because also we've just met Blunder, who appears, and, and he tells them they're going to get barbecued, and then they, he gets. Taken off to be barbecued, so put in a pie, which and, I like. and they just decide not to save him, and yeah. I, I, they end up saving him later. But it's more an act. Like mm. I don't, they don't feel as brave as they should here because
1: it's someone's brother, isn't it? So yeah. they're
3: like wait, oh, no, no, no. it feels. You know, it, the, the thing with heroes is leave no man behind, yes. and they leave him behind yeah. immediately. Yeah, um, he's played by uh, Kieran Shah, right? Who was Elijah Woods, um. Hobbit double in Lord of the Rings. Nice. And it's amazing when you see them next to each other. <laughs> and in some of the scenes, he's literally wearing an Elijah Wood mask. Right. Um, but he's also in Raiders of the Lost Ark and a few Star Wars films. So he's a bit hes a bit he's of a legend like a in that career. community. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So then we hear Darkness talking. Now, Darkness is talking to, I believe, his dad. Yeah. Is this correct? So yes. He said father. Well, but he calls which, him father, which, so yeah. Which could be a priest or something, but I assumed it was his actual... Yeah, paternal. I felt like he was
3: talking to the devil. Me too. Yes. Okay. Good.
1: And this is quite cute. So he's like, "Oh, do you know what? This this chick, Lily, like, mm. I, I think I'm I think I'm in trouble here." She
3: fascinates me. <laughs> she
1: fascinates me. I fancy her, and you're not expecting that because you think darkness would have no emotion, mm. uh, but no, he's he's into this girl. So yeah, that's such a... a fun, it was a fun thing for me, because you're like, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I wonder how this will pan out. Mm.
3: And he's got to charm her. He's got, you've to, got to woo you've her. Got to, well,
1: you don't have to. You do it you like. You've got to change her spirit. You change her spirit uh-huh. and woo her, which is nice. We've all, we've all done it. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes.
3: Uh, you do it to a woman, or you do it to a horse. Break <laughs> their spirits. <laughs> Break it. Smash it to smithereens and they're yours forever. <laughs>
1: Grind them down. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do? How do you do that?
3: Make her run across a giant chessboard in slow motion. Another dance. With- put, her, put her in rags. <laughs> tempt her with some treasure. I said I think this looked like a cross between Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast and the video for Bonnie Tyler's "Total Eclipse of the Heart." <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs>
1: but the, the, what you talk about the set design? Yes, and, and the way- to, I don't like the forest. I think the forest looks like a soundstage, yeah. and I don't like it. And I read some quotes. We read the quotes saying if the budget had been lower, we would have had to shoot in an actual forest. It's like that. Maybe that would have been. I mean, obviously it was more complicated. Yeah, but- they,
3: they looked at Yellowstone Park, and the problem with the forest is just it's too dark in a forest. Yeah, so they needed somewhere that they could light artificially.
1: It just doesn't. I don't know. I'm just not into it. But sure. then you get here into the castle and it's awesome mm. to look at mm. um, and, you know, transportative and all of that. Um, so Lily, like you said, she's tempted by jewels, the yep. selfish, materialistic so-and-so. And then she dances with a masked dancer, mm. whatever. Not sure about that. But then she does get... But which the, becomes her. Yeah, she, she becomes the masked dancer. She becomes guard. the masked dancer. So she gets a sort of glittery ballet goth makeover. Yeah. I was... Pen in my hand was writing down, when is my makeover happening? And then it happened, mm. and I was very relieved. I thought they were going to cheat me out of it, but they didn't. So then Tim Curry's here, hooray, the last unicorn dies tonight or something, at dawn or something, mm. beggars the question, why wait? He's
3: big and he's stacked and he wants to shag, and I'm thinking, who is this for? Like It feels like a hangover from the adult version, really. Uh, what, they wanted is- to make this adult fairy tale, and it morphed into a kid's film but they didn't change too much because yeah. this is you know Rob Botin said he wanted to make that character sexy and sexual and uh, really Scott cast him Curry because of that sexuality he brought to to Rocky Horror mm. and it's just it's just a i don't know it's just a strange thing in a kids film
1: that the, the darkness works out basically like yeah. why
3: bother well, yeah and he's, he wants to shag he's he down does. he's down to pound yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh God. Is <laughs> yeah. that an that actual saying? I, I don't, don't know. know if I made that but up. But that's, if you haven't, <laughs> sorry, rather, if you have just made that up, that's fantastic. All
3: right, all right, all right.
1: Um, but it's also very deeply upsetting.
3: Mm. <laughs> but you, you are correct. You mentioned Tim Curry's makeup. I've just got a little, a little brief snippet as he is our patron saint of him talking sure. about the makeup.
0: It was so dazzling looking. I mean,
2: first of all, it was pretty swell to be eight feet one. And it was great to have you know great big superhero muscles and stuff <laughs> because you know i'm not a i'm not a big guy i'm sort of i think i'm five foot ten in in the casting books, and I'm probably actually something under five nine so it was kind of cool to be you know king of the
1: forest ah, nice to hear from him, isn't it? It is. what a voice well exactly um because. He th- does look dazzling here. Yeah. And
3: what is amazing is this is the same year as Clue. And I actually right. can't connect yeah. that that's the same person. I know what you mean. You know? Yeah. Acting.
1: It's just acting. That's <laughs> what they do. Acting and makeup. That's why actors are quite scary. <laughs> because you're like, how is that possible? are just yourself.
3: <laughs> they did cut a scene here, though. The American version has a scene um of Gump and Jack being attacked by... What what's referred to as pygmies in the script and it's a proper action scene and I think that's something the film's lacking yeah. that, that Willow has got. Side missions, mm. fun action. It's pretty straightforward and... Um,
1: it's quite linear, yeah. Yes. I know what you mean. Well, there's a big fight coming up because Jack and his fellowship... They want to bring light to the darkness, so we'll get some Act 3 set pieces that we're involving some huge plates.
3: Is that because Sunshine is his destroyer? Sunshine is my destroyer. He says it again. Yeah. It feels like Ridley Scott completely loses his way. not Look, you don't need to say it twice. We're not stupid.
1: Also, who are the giant plates for? In real life, who eats (laughs) off those plates? Is it darkness? Maybe. He's He's got a lot of plates. He's He's a a single guy. He's a big man. And I don't think he's feeding the staff. So why has he got hundreds of giant <laughs> metal plates? So anyway, we were just we were just thinking about Tim Curry's voice. So Tim Curry is resplendent in mm. in his full regalia. And he's with Lily and she's had her makeover. And this is the seduction scene. And it basically revolves around him saying, why don't you sit down? <laughs> she's like, I'll stand up. And then we don't get much further than that.
3: No, that's because a note came down from one of the producers, um, which was this. You can't have the villain fuck the princess. <laughs> <laughs> we have her sitting on a nearly sitting on a living chair. <laughs> yes,
1: wish we would grab her bum. I don't understand. <laughs> I suppose if you're in the studio at this point, you're like, she was a cat, you, and you took that note, and that's fantastic. However, <laughs> this is a PG movie. I mean, fine, but she it, it kind of builds to something. She's like the equivalent of like you will never have me or whatever. Um, But then she's sort of you can tell she's up to something. So she's like, I'll kill the unicorn. And he is banging to that. He loves that. Mm. So then this is almost my favourite moment. The unicorn is poised to be killed. It's a bit upsetting seeing the horse mm. and chained up. And she's got the knife thing and she's going to do it. And Jack sees her and he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it because she used to be all right. And Gump's like, "Don't, oh, don't be sad about that. It's not what you see. You you know her heart. And then about half a second later, he's like, kill her!
3: Gump, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
1: It's so brilliant. It's not her fault. Kill her!
3: (laughs) Yeah, but Jack trusts her. Yes. Yes.
1: Which is nice. And then Jack punches Darkness, which is quite cool. And then they have a fight. Yeah,
3: he takes an arrow to the neck and then he runs at Jack like a bull. Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah. It is weird that we are physically fighting this massive beast, and there's no magic involved or anything like that. Given the sort of the semantic area we're in,
3: yes, it feels like Jack needs something more. We need he needed to have some skill, Special or we need skill, yeah, yeah, he but needed a, super he's some, a superpower. He needed a power, yeah.
1: Um, and then Lily is under a spell, so even though darkness is dispatched and all the rest of well,
3: it, well, I want to talk about his dispatching because he gets sort of chucked off. He sort of he sort of blasted out. Mm. And then he's holding on to the walls and then he's blasted into space. Mm. Have you ever seen the film Alien? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I oh, mean, I it's see, unbelievable how,
3: how similar the, the visual is. Yeah. In fact, you see more of him going into space in the American version, which does look more like Alien. Although they do get him saying a good line here before he, before he goes away that we don't get in the European version. He says, you think you have won... What is light without dark? I am part of you all. You can never defeat me. We are brothers eternal. And then he goes, which I think would have been a great way for him to bow out because in our version, it almost happens off screen.
1: Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, that is disappointing. Mm. Um, So Lily's, she's not revived because she's under a spell. Now this is where I got very interested, but I may be reaching a bit. So Jack goes to get the ring. He does that. True loves kiss. Yada, 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 whatever. Happy ever after. But I was like, oh, it was it all a, Challenge While he was under the lake, mm. did he go into a sort of dream fugue state or he entered a weird alternate something, something? Yep. And to prove he's worthy, not only do you have to dive under the lake and get the ring, you have to do this big task while you're down there. And then he does it, which means he's allowed to come up back through the lake and marry the princess. And what I thought it was that, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah,
3: it definitely isn't that. <laughs> Um, and I'll say that because there are three endings and it's none of the three endings right okay so uh, that European version ends with Jack and Lily running off into the sunset Uh, that's it in the American theatrical version Jack and Lily assure each other of their love and watch the unicorns reunite and then run off in the sunset together Uh, But darkness watches them from the void laughing. From space. From space (laughs) with his his mate, the alien. And so they sort of set up a sequel there. And then in the director's cut, Lily wakes with Jack trying to convince her that she was merely dreaming. But she is unconvinced. Right. Uh, They confess their true love for each other, but realise they live in two different worlds, which causes Lily to say to Jack, let's just have a platonic relationship. Right. Uh, Let's just be friends. And Jack's happy with that. He accepts that. And so Lily returns to her home to get on with her life and promises she'll visit him again. And Jack runs off in the sunset on his own. That same image. Okay. So um, that is the the ending of the two-hour version. And that is the version of the film where um, it's less about saving Lily and more about saving the world, freeing the world. She's not really the focus as much in this director's cut. It's it's mainly just extended scenes and, and giving stuff more context. But it's about... The evil of humanity and the impurity of us and our sins, and so he's more lustful in it. Um, She's more greedy. The Gump is more angry. Uh, Meg is Meg Mucklebones is more vain, and so. It was more it was this Paradise Lost story almost, Mm which, you know, is more interesting, but maybe more mature for a kid's film, which is why one of the reasons they would have locked all that stuff off.
1: Yeah, Um, that's as much as I have Chris Tilly.
3: Okay, all I've got is just a bit of a bit of regret from Ridley Scott looking back at it. His main issue with the film, apart from um, sort of giving in to his sort of insecurities when it came to cutting it was he wished he had a bigger budget. Mm. So he said it was pre-sold too low. It was pre-sold for $25 million. And he said, I needed $30 million. I needed more action. Um, and I agree, as I say, I think it needed more side missions, this sense of a bit of war going on maybe. Um, but the other thing I think is interesting about this is that it was made around the same time as The Legend of Zelda. Right. And there's so much crossover between the two of them. But it was at the same time. But I think that there's a game called Ocarina of Time, which is maybe the most famous Zelda game. And that one is, they've taken that and run with it. So mm-hmm. that's like the legend version of Zelda, which right. is maybe more interesting than the film itself.
1: Okay. All right then. We'll do the bit, shall we? So, yeah. what was your best scene? Uh,
3: I like The Arrival of Darkness. Yes. I like him stepping through the mirror and I like hearing his voice and hearing his laugh and looking at his big red muscles. <laughs> I think I think it sort of injects a bit of, uh, I don't know, excitement into proceedings yeah. when he shows up.
1: I I would say I the, the scene where darkness, the whole sit down, stand up, sit down thing, it's sanitised and neutered for obvious reasons. But just watching him do that, I would watch that again. But I actually think Meg Mucklebone's scene mm. is is the best scene because it's just phenomenal what you you know what was accomplished you know and I know we always say it but it was a long time ago and it just looks brilliant um
3: yeah and he just immediately runs her through with his sword in in the US version yeah it's yeah. a shame Yeah.
1: your most valuable whatever it is
3: um Rob Boatin's makeup for Tim Curry Tim Curry's laugh Tim Curry I don't know they're all kind of combined
1: yeah mine's exactly the same <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: It's, it's iconic really for a film that's been you know is a cult film but I think it's largely forgotten that image is not and even in the, the South Park devil yes it's friggin' Tim Curry Yay, like that yeah. is with us and yes it's been very helpful to me over the years with us talking about Tim Curry a lot using his pictures on Twitter
1: exactly <laughs> and so mine is exactly the same Rob Bottin for Tim Curry Tim Curry yes. as Tim Curry and he makes you feel sorry for darkness, which is in the writing, obviously. But mm. he does a very good job of that. And, he, and you know, we talk a lot about having to act past makeup and things like that. And he is unrecognisable apart from his voice, really. Are
3: they slowing down and deepening his voice or is he doing that? I couldn't figure it out. It sounded to me like it was an, an audio effect, but then he's such a good actor. I don't know if yeah. he, he can do that. I
1: feel like it's him, but
3: yeah. I don't know. Let's say it's him.
1: What would you change? <laughs>
3: um... It's interesting, there's a guy called Brian Froud who, who they spoke to initially um, for, uh, to help with the design of this film who ended up working on Labyrinth. Oh yeah. Um, so we've got a villain trapping a teenage girl in his lair so he can shag her for eternity and that's very Labyrinth. <laughs> and I think Mia Sara even looks a bit like Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. But that was a normal teenage girl that teenage girls could identify with. Mm. I'm not sure who Lily is. Yeah. Um, her appeal is just her beauty. She, so give her a personality give mm. Give us uh, I want to understand why Jack falls in love is so in, madly in love with her yeah. and then give her really something to do you know make her I, I, I don't think she does enough in the castle I think no. you know at some point she should become a heroine as much as Jack is a hero and she's not given that opportunity here
1: Mine is, is, is we've said it already a bit and it's a little bit dry but it is how I feel it's like crowd scenes context like I need to see the people of the village, and I need the castle would be good, and the commoners and things like that, and Mm -hmm. like context for who Jack is. If you're a hermit, you live away from something. So, but let's see the thing that you live away from, and maybe Lily's run away from something and stuff like that. It's a little bit, it's a bit sort of nuts and bolts, but that's that's my change, and that's it.
3: Very good. Okay, no quiz this week uh, because. Uh, but Vicky does have an amazing clue for next week's film I do actually have an amazing clue and Mm, you didn't know that I'll be the judge of that I
1: do have an amazing clue are you ready Mm -hmm. feeling sad 18 months of nice weather can really change your mindset It's pretty good. It's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know it. It's pretty good. You should have seen the first one. I only wrote that this morning. First one was terrible. (laughs) Uh,
3: Tell it to me in the pub. Might might end up on Twitter. Uh, So that's your lot. Um, If you haven't done those things that every podcast asks you to do at the end of an episode, please do them. Unless you already have, in which case, thanks. Or can't be bothered, in which case, fine. I guess. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Whatever. Um, Either way, we will be back on Thursday with Ron Howard's Willow.
0: This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creative Network.